Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. It's easy to make good choices when you have good insights, right? Well, AppSlyer's open platform provides the measurement, analytics, engagement, and fraud protection technologies you need to get the answers to all of your questions and make good choices for your business and customers. Is customer privacy important for you? Good. With AppSlyer, you can accurately measure your marketing while protecting customer privacy. Bringing in new customers is great. Getting accurate insights while protecting your customers' privacy is even better. AppSlyer's privacy-preserving measurement and cost aggregation technologies give you insights you can count on across channels, platforms, and devices. And here's something we all agree on. When it comes to the marketing, you should only pay for what works. AppSlice incremental lift testing makes it easy to make good choices for your marketing budget through accurate, unbiased insights into the true value of your marketing outcomes. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. Welcome, 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 everybody, to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Mishka Katkov, and today we're gonna we're having Dave Madden, president of Player One, former senior vice president of global partnerships at EA, joining the podcast to talk about ads in console and PC games. Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mishka. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> so, so you've done you've done a lot of stuff in, in gaming. Uh, and before we jump into the hot topics, start talking about Sony, Microsoft, both announcing the start of adding ads into their games. Let's talk a little bit about your yourself. Uh, can you talk? Can you walk us through of your extensive career in games till the point of of now being a president of of uh, Player One? Sure. Yeah, I definitely have. Um, I've been circling around the topic of brands and advertising and video games for, for over two decades now. And, you know, it's become a passion project for me to really see it happen in the right way for the industry, but most importantly for, for players who, um, you know, really need greater optionality across uh, the spectrum of video games. So in the early 2000s, I was a founder of a company called Wild Tangent. It was created by a couple of uh, brilliant engineers, along with building a game service that we got shipped on every PC out of the factory by all the major manufacturers. Um, we ended up with a with an advertising model called Brand Boost that was essentially the first rewarded ad model in video games. And we created that around 2002 or 2003. Um, we were sued by a, a patent troll. It went to the Supreme Court a couple times. Um, ultimately, a couple other companies settled. We didn't. And what, uh, what eventually became a Brand Boost was it became like a default way for players to get virtual currency that we created called wild coins in return for watching uh, video ads very popular 
with gamers. Um, I then worked with Facebook, convinced them to allow that type of advertising to run on the on the social games platform. I worked with uh, DevLoo at Facebook back in the probably in 2007, 2008 area where they were going to close down the idea of uh, some of the social game companies were doing some pretty aggressive stuff with advertising. But uh, I showed her how brands really appreciate it and gamers appreciate it, rewarded. Um, became an ad type on Facebook games for a few years, but obviously Facebook games kind of came and went pretty quickly. The social games on Facebook, exciting uh, period of time. And then uh, I joined EA in 2011. And literally the first project I did with uh, together with ben, ben Webley, who's now over at Scopely, and Bernard Kim, who was running uh, mobile publishing then, is we had Bursley build, I think, what might have been the first rewarded ad in mobile games in like 2011. <laughs> And um, the rest is history in mobile gaming, obviously, uh, rewarded advertising is a huge part of the ecosystem. But uh, I felt like there was an opportunity to really play around with the notion and test it even in console games. So I did some of that in sports games at EA, where we had most of the major sports games were uh, tested the idea and had one or two years or more of players choosing to watch video ads deep inside the live service and get free rewards. So um, those tests came and went, but it gave me the idea of really starting a company uh, with the notion of in console and PC, free to play games, unlocking the potential for uh, player controlled advertising. But I would say um, throughout the two decades of work, I did a lot of stuff with in-game and around game and partnerships, some of the biggest partnerships in video games across you know, companies like Coke and Pepsi and McDonald's. Um, deep sponsorships and big console games, but, uh, you know, kind of tried it all, uh, over the last 20 years. So you're definitely a, a pioneer in when it comes to ads and <laughs> partnership in video games. I used to use the yeah. word OG, but that's not a good word. Pioneer is a great <laughs> word. <laughs> sure. And um, first rewarded ads. I mean, there's a lot of interesting yeah. pioneers and companies, but I've, I've definitely uh, dabbled in a little bit of everything here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, pioneers, um, uh, land on some minds as well. Like there's some, some challenges. Yes. You mentioned that, uh, that, that the first ads on console and sports games, like, like the first ones in, in FIFA and then some other games, I remember battlefields had some ads on the background. Were you working on those? So I don't, I think the, um, you might be talking about the early, um, massive double fusion days. Uh, I mm -hmm. was still at, I was still a wild tangent, uh, back then, but I know that there were some tests with like in-game, uh, billboards that were served into some video games across the industry. I'm not sure which games they went into. And that, that fad kind of came up pretty quickly and died pretty quickly as well for, for a lot of good reasons. Uh, some of it being the software itself seemed to slow games down and didn't necessarily uh, work that well. But the other being that, you know, it's not really clear that players are, you know, in their world of fiction, they all of a sudden want to see a real, billboard or banner show up in the middle of a, of a game experience in general, not, you know, you can't say that exclusively, but, you know, in certain games like sports games, it may make some sense, but I think, you know, that first wave and some of the issues that happened around it, um, that preceded me in, in my um, move into the, uh, to electronic arts. But I know that uh, in general, across the industry, there was a big excitement. I think my, Microsoft ended up buying massive actually. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. I mean, yeah, the, the ads definitely fit sports games. I mean, yeah. whenever you watch NFL or anything, it's just ads on ads on ads. It's, it's everything is presented by somebody, uh, other than the uh, the NFL or the team. Yeah, in general, but, um, in sports games like uh, it, it can fit 
brands can fit in really well because it's so natural to the environment and it's uh, it, it mirrors what happens in the real world, which players of sports games want to see the real world. So the big sports games already work with all the league sponsors and they get the league sponsors involved in the production of the game. Sometimes it's on billboards and, or signage. Other times it's, you know, deeper sponsorships. Like uh, we did a really great partnership with Coca-Cola around FIFA where, you know, they're putting promotion for the game on cans at retail with uh, the character Alex Hunter. And then uh, Coke became like the sponsor of the Alex Hunter storyline in the game, which was really cool. It's a very deep uh, integration, but those programs are amazing. They take years to develop. So they're not, you know, they're not really turnkey things that scale across a lot of games. Uh, Okay, now I have to ask, what's the incentive to do these type of deep integrations? Like, is it monetary reason? Is it... um promotional reason or reach reason uh, because coming from a, from a game developers or game studio perspective, yeah. you know, your roadmap is filled with everything. It must be right. pretty hard to get that through the roadmap when there's so many things that are being cut out uh, from, especially from a console release that is, you know, it's not, it's not up to, I mean, nowadays it is updated back then. It was just like shipped. Yeah, the, the roadmaps are always super busy and the brands have to make tremendous sense. In fact, if it doesn't make the game better or more realistic, it's not going to happen. There, there's not there's not enough money trading hands between the brands, you know, in their sponsorship of the games for the developers to want to do the work. But if you think of a brand like a Gatorade, which, you know, in the real world, the Gatorade gets used during the during the game and the coach gets dunked after the game. So that kind of brand works really well into, you know, sports video games where they're, you know, a sponsor already. But the one of the big drivers of the, of the deeper integrations and partnerships is the retail co-promotion and the ability to put codes on pack. So, you know, like the Coke example I mentioned, and, you know, you're probably familiar with the uh, uh, Doritos Mountain Dew Power of One promotion with Call of Duty and other uh, game. We had it with Titanfall for one year as well. You know, there's a lot of game codes that get put on products that players then can unlock unique content in the game. And so the, usually the consumer products company will do a big promotion, maybe create some commercials to promote the partnership. And from a game developer's point of view, that that's really powerful from the marketing team's point of view as well. So it's really a true partnership, but those are far and few and they're hard to do and super exciting. But at the end of the day, what players get out of those promotions is they get a code to unlock some valuable in-game content. And and that's, you know, the light bulb kind of went off for me in my head when I was like, okay, I've done a bunch of these programs. They take, you know, 18 months or more to negotiate. You have to get a lot of lawyers involved and then you're making a commitment, uh, you know, to be on pack with them. And so you have to hit certain deadlines, which is really tough for, for game developers to commit to deadlines. So um, that was the genesis for player one right there in a nutshell was, Hey, wait a minute, I, I can put, you know, a billion codes on, on cans at retail around the world, or I can give players essentially the exact same opportunity in the game dynamically by letting them unlock valuable in-game content without having to go down to a store, buy a can, crack the lid, put a code into a website. What if it just happens, you know, auto dynamically while I'm playing the game and I get the reward immediately. And so that was, that's really the genesis for player one was the idea that there's a better way for games to give content to their players and reward them and a better way for brands to play a role in that 
without, you know, having to be uh, like a needle in a haystack situation. Um, so, okay, well, let's jump into the uh, the most relevant part of it. Why is Microsoft mm-hmm. and Sony suddenly, at the same time, essentially announcing that that they are moving or, or that they're adding ads into their games? They have not given any details, but, you know, one could assume that they will be rewarded videos. Uh, that's that's usually probably the, uh, the most um, best performing. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not aware that Sony and Microsoft have said anything um, on, really? on the topic. Yeah, I haven't really? seen any any commentary from them. I've seen other um, people suggesting that things are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an event in New York called the Playfronts, which uh, Player One was one of the companies that presented at it, along with a lot of other game companies. It seems like out of that, um, you know, some rumors swirled after that from an article or two that was written on the Playfronts. But personally, I'm not I'm not aware of either of the platform specifically uh, responding or, or talking about it. So, uh, but, uh, but in terms of the, whether it makes sense or not, the answer is clearly there's um, a big opportunity as more and more games go into cloud services and more free to play gaming happens. There, there's gotta be optionality for players coming down the, the road that allows them to get their hands on more game content without having to, you know, spend, either, you know, $75 or more to get the full game or in a free to play or cloud environment, you know, pay either a monthly fee or buy battle passes in order to get their hands on, on all the content. Yeah. Oh, you, no, I mean, you're, you're not, maybe you're hundred percent right that they haven't said it. I just remember going through those articles and assuming that, that, that they came in right. from, from, from the companies themselves, because I, I vividly remember this is, which might not be true because because my memory is what it is. But I remember that the cheapest tier of was it Xbox subscription that is being planned that it has an ad element to it, and that's why it's cheaper because there's going to be ads in the uh, in the games. I might be totally wrong. This is just something that yeah, I remember I, reading. It. Yeah, <laughs> sounds sounds like it makes sense. I'm just not aware of any <laughs> official. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of speculation. Uh, also, given you know what's happening in the in the video space with HBO Max coming out with ad support, uh, Netflix now supposedly going to have ad support by the end of the year. The dramatic success for services like uh, Hulu and Paramount Plus and Peacock, where they are seeing a large percent of their users come in through the lower priced or free ad supported tiers, and then you've got services like Spotify, where over seventy percent of the Spotify users are on the free version. So when you let consumers and gamers in this case vote with their wallet, you know, that a lot of them are going to opt for lower priced or even free options. And, and so, you know, if you're running a subscription service or free, free to play game, you really want to cast the widest net possible and then convert, you know, consumers and players into spenders, whether that's buying individual items, season passes, um, or subscription to a, a monthly service, the more people you can get in to, to sample it, taste it, and enjoy it, the better off the business model is going to be and the com- competitive moat you create against um, other companies as well. So you know, that's really what happened to Netflix is they realized we're slowing down on growth. There's new competition and competition's coming in at lower prices and they're doing it through, you know, at, at the end of the day, play, you know, user choice. 
Yeah, yeah, that's – actually, I had to check out IO, but I put it into Google <laughs> search. Sorry, got Xbox ads, and, and literally, like, <laughs> PlayStation and Xbox could add even more ads. Microsoft and Sony considering in-game ads. Like, this is Fox, Fox Business, surprise. Uh, TechCrunch, yeah. we got Forbes, we got The Verge. <laughs> so, yeah. so pretty credible sources are all saying uh, – ads of the world are all saying that, that ads are, are coming or – they're being planned. It's reportedly. So yes, you're correct. The uh, Xbox <laughs> and Sony have themselves right. stated this, but it seems to um, seems to be something that uh, that is going to happen. I mean, these are quite credible sources, and everybody. Yeah, Microsoft. Microsoft bought Xander, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from AT and T a year or two ago, and that's a huge programmatic ad platform. So they've obviously got the plumbing. Uh, in place or they're building the plumbing to make it uh, a possibility. But, uh, you know, I'm not aware of any official, uh, you know, official <laughs> announcements. Got it. And, and, and it, and it makes sense because as you said, um, there's a platform war going on between, between several parties, not only Sony and, yeah. and Microsoft, but Amazon is definitely there. Um, you know, I don't know if Nintendo is that big of a player. It is. It's. It has its own fan base and its own niche, but it's not. You know, competitive against. It's more like a add-on product. Like people who buy Nintendo yeah. will buy Nintendo yeah. and, and Xbox as well. Anyway, uh, platform wars going on. Uh, they want the subscriptions in. They want to have as many players as possible. But having that steep price of you know ten, fifteen, they have to be pushing that price up as as the time goes on. Having an ad-supported subscription, just like Netflix will be having means that you can have a wider audience at a different price point, but you're not still losing players. And that's probably the hardest thing in the subscription model is to create different price points because essentially everybody's getting the same amount. Uh, so, so you know, something has to give and then this is apparently it. So it would make sense. Yeah, it's it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time. Uh, obviously it's yeah. a sensitive topic. People have, uh, you know, in the gaming press in particular have very strong, feelings and opinions mm-hmm. about the, you know, sort of the sanctity of the, the, the video game or the AAA uh, gaming space. You know, we've taken an approach with player one that was really to go in through free to play gaming. And, you know, I looked at, you know, frankly, when I was kind of surprised the, how mobile uh, game advertising evolved so quickly to be a acquisition model for essentially arbitraging <laughs> your users to, um, you know, make getting some money from the non-spending or from your player base to then spend on marketing and other games to get people into your game. And, uh, you know, I definitely saw the origins of it and thought it was really interesting. I mean, the studios originally came to us at, uh, at EA, but other studios at other companies said, hey, do you guys want to trade audience? And, um, and then pretty quickly, companies like Ad Colony stepped into the void and said, hey, I can make that trading a lot easier. You guys can do it all through an auction model, you know, in, in my system. And so you saw the the quick expansion in, in mobile in-game advertising to companies like Iron Source and Ad Colony and, and other and now Unity, obviously, and others. In in the AAA HD space, which is you know generally console PC, it's it's been uh, significantly more challenging to have that conversation with developers and get the idea up and running just because of the, you know, the, the general palette is very different and there, there isn't really, there's not an app install model. This is brands coming uh, to big screen 
video gaming, trying to reach the young, you know, 16 to 34 year old audience that doesn't watch TV anymore. So there's a tremendous, you know, advertiser demand that in the US alone, it's, you know, an $82 billion a year connected TV, linear TV advertising model. And these are, you know, brands that are spending anywhere from a quarter million to two and a half million dollars making their creative. And they're not necessarily looking for a click through. They're, they're hoping to reach an, uh, an audience that is forming their buying behavior habits and convince them to, to think about using their products or going to their stores. And so it's really the same stuff that you see on, you know, that we're, we're working with brands that you see during the Super Bowl, those types of ads, as opposed to, you know, an app install ad for another video game. Branded ads is something that, that has been talked about in, in games forever. Um, not mm -hmm. in games, sorry, in mobile games. Uh, there always been yeah. a talk like brands are coming, brands are coming in. And brands never really came uh, in, in the same in the same extent, because as you said, the biggest buck can be made through install arbitrage. So right. what I'm what I'm asking here is how long will it take before, you know, assuming that that console and PC games are going to the free to play console and PC games are going to get integrated with ads, everybody will have branded ads. But at mm -hmm. some point, um, the CPMs and the ECPMs of, of showing brand of showing ads for other games, will be just so um, lucrative that 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 will be a, a big part of the inventory. Do you think that will happen? Yeah. So do you think that um, same, same same type of way will happen on, on console as it did on mobile? I'm not, I'm not sure it's going to, you know, the thing that's unique about mobile is the fingerprinting and the amount of data that the ad platform SDKs knew about the users and were able to do that very targeted, you know, app install advertising. The, I don't expect that to ever be similar in the console PC free to play space or not anytime soon. The other thing is if you're a brand and you want to reach a gamer on a mobile device, you can do that on TikTok or snap TikTok or Snapchat. You don't need to go into a mobile video game to reach a mobile video game player. All that data sits in other platforms and they you know they can reach them with a, maybe a better ad experience uh, and, and maybe uh, not competing with uh, game install advertising on the CPM basis. So there's there's plenty of other ways to reach them, and and frankly, maybe easier ways to do it. When you get to the the big screen, which we're talking television and PC, TV advertising dollars, and as I mentioned, it's a huge you know eighty plus billion dollar a year business in the U.S. A lot of it bought you know, by ad agencies in upfront marketplaces and then the rest place throughout the year and scatter. And that's where uh, the parent company of player one is called Simul Media. It's a very big player in that, in that TV advertising ecosystem. We know that the brands are, are desperate to reach 18, 16 to 34 year olds. They, they are almost unreachable on a big screen TV today because they're not watching you know, the cable TV systems that we grew up with, or I grew up with, they're not watching ad supported TV. They're watching streaming services. Some of those may be ad supported, but a full third of the gamers playing free to play console PC games don't watch any TV at all. They don't even have a TV service. So, so it's really uh, very difficult for a brand that wants to not on a small screen, but on a big screen, tell a story, sight, sound and motion video. Um, high production storytelling that leads to awareness and purchase intent. Very difficult to do against the gaming audience today, worldwide.
but but you know the, if you use the U.S. as a proxy for it, the most advanced ad market, uh, there's a lot of money waiting to get to the video game audience. But but it, you can't just you know it's not a, it's not a simple equation. It's, I'm, I, what I'm strongly suggesting in our approach to player one is it's player control. It's not mm-hmm. something that just shows up on the screen or interrupts you. Yeah. So okay. So let's take a let's zoom out a little bit and talk about simul media yeah. and player one. Uh, so sure. can you talk, can you a little bit explain what is Simul Media and player one has spun mm-hmm. off as its own company two years ago. So what is player, what is Simul Media? What is player one? What was the market opportunity that the parent yeah. company saw to spun off player one and, um, and why did it spun off a different entity? Yeah. So I had been approaching the, the founder of Simon Media, Dave Morgan, for uh, a couple of years saying, hey, there's this, you know, look at Fortnite. Every, you know, I watched my own kids, like they stopped doing everything and started playing Fortnite. And I was like, okay, this is a free to play model. And I surveyed the kids in my, I'd have 17 kids in my, in my den playing Fortnite all week. And I said, hey, if I could get you a, a free skin for watching a 15 or 30 second movie trailer would you do it and they were like 100 percent we're like of course we would so so um when i was when we were playing around with some rewarded um ads in console at ea i had simul media which is an advanced tv uh platform that started by dave morgan to uh come in and help us bring in tv quality advertising because the problem with you know doing any sort of um in-game advertising is going to be the quality of the the brand fill and the consistency of it and so uh, Dave and I decided, hey, you know, really the marketplace is much bigger in the free-to-play world. And, and so we decided to launch uh, Player One inside of Simul Media. And Simul Media basically gives us a guaranteed flow of high-quality brand TV dollars that are thirsty for this younger audience. And a lot of the technology plumbing that was needed to get um, Player One up and running. Uh, we, Player One's a subsidiary of of Simul Media, and so the you know essentially the ad sales in the U.S. for Player One comes all through through Simul Media. The the um, impetus to start Player One was really looking at the the growth of free to play and knowing that un, not very different than mobile, the majority players aren't spending money yet they want to get their hands on all that extra content that's being created by these live service teams and is being consumed, you know, in a variety of ways, but the, you know, the, the biggest uh, way is by people spending money to get it. Uh, and knowing that the players uh, covet all this content and thinking, okay, there's gotta be a better way to provide more optionality across these games and do it in a way that looks really good and feels really good to the player, most importantly. And um, that's not only the experience of having, you know, like sort of total control over choosing whether or not to watch a video to earn in-game rewards, but it's also from a developer standpoint, is this going to be, um, you know, consistent with their their quality of experience? Is it going to help them retain and engage players? And then, you know, as a side benefit, it may create a new revenue stream, but really the most important aspect of of creating player one was around um, this helps engagement, helps drive players back to the game to get uh, deeper into the live service. And, you know, we've actually done research that shows the players that are getting free stuff end up spending more money in the games too. Excited about NFTs in the metaverse? Ready to be part of the future of gaming? Recur is looking for talented producers, product managers, game designers, economy designers, and engineers. 
Recur is building branded NFT collectibles and games with top IP, including College Sports, Paramount, Star Trek, Nickelodeon, Sanrio, and more, using its best-in-the-industry technology platform. Recur's platform streamlines the NFT collecting experience. No crypto or third-party wallets required. Simply buy an NFT with your credit card or Apple Pay. And Recur's robust gamification system creates infinite collecting and gameplay possibilities from which to make compelling play and earn experiences. Recur is backed by some of the biggest names in crypto and NFTs, including billionaire Stephen Cohn, Gary Vee, and Gemini, among others. Join us now and get ready to ride a rocket ship. Let's fucking go. So, um, okay, well, a few questions regarding that. So it makes sense. Yeah. Silo Media has all the brand contracts, essentially. So for them, it's yes. just they're offering a new vertical, a new way to reach a certain audience. The way you describe it sounds like a UFC audience, 16 to 34 male. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much. Um, uh, I, I would say ultimately it'll be broader than that, but, but the majority yeah. of games we're in, that's, it, you know, right now the, in the kind of battle royale, first first and third party shooters, it tends to yeah. be younger male uh, gamers yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. And a um, few questions regarding that. How easy it is to deal with these? So let's just go one by one. How easy it is to make a deal with a developer? Because on mobile, it's um, you don't even make deals. Like you just integrate the uh, the SDK or the ABK and, and uh, the SDK, or and and that's pretty much it. Uh, you're up and mm -hmm. running, and you put in a couple of different of these mediation and um, and add um, add partners in, into your game, and you just create a waterfall right. between them and and just start optimizing. But in this case it probably requires a little bit of work to get them on the side of actually having ads in their game. Yeah, that's without a doubt is the hardest uh, part of the conversation is, is and in fact, I have, we have a very large game going live uh, in a couple of weeks. And my first meeting with the executive overseeing it, he said, you know, I got into video games because I hate advertising. <laughs> and, I said, and I was like, yeah, you know, I hate advertising too. Like I, I was so excited when, you know, the TiVo came out and you could skip commercials because it was just abusive, but this isn't really advertising. This is like dynamic sponsorship. It's the same notion from a player's point of view. They feel like the brands are giving them something of tremendous value. So they don't see it, you know, as necessarily advertising. They see it as like a, a new reward system in the game. So that's definitely the hardest part is, is getting developers comfortable with, with that notion. And then they want to see, you know, the data and understand, you know, what it, what it means for their, their player's journey in the game. And that's without a doubt, the most important thing. So like our, our engineering team, that's building the player one API, and then eventually SDKs, they all came from game development backgrounds. Like we are not an ad tech company. It's, it's, everything's built with the player in mind. And, and that's why we actually named it player W O N was for the, to really be clear, like this is all about the benefit for the player. And if a player wins, then the developer um, gets greater engagement and retention. So the developer wins, uh, you know, more, more, more play, more pay, as they say. And then, uh, you know, advertisers uh, in general understand that gaming is a really sensitive, interactive, emotional experience, and they don't want to be a bad actor in general, certainly not in, in these big screen games. They really um, buy into this notion of being a benevolent sponsor and, and helping players get deeper into the game. So, um, you know, from, from that standpoint, uh, the conversations have gotten a lot easier as we've had more and more games out there and people can see what it, what it's doing. Uh, I would also say this, that the market in general tends to be um, heading in this direction as there are more and more free to play games with larger audiences. 
developers realize that they need optionality for their players and that this is this is a way to help them not only monetize um, you know instead of five percent or ten percent or less of the players but actually um, help the players get deep more deeply into the game without forcing them to have to buy uh, all the items and and lose some power-ups and things got it so as always like selling multiple different things which is you know the same thing has happened in mobile over the years and social or uh, cannabis as well is it, it will help you to monetize those who are not paying. It will help you to retain players because they'll be more engaged and mm -hmm. uh, it will be safe. It won't crash your game where you have a good tech team. Right. So the SDK or the API is going to be, you know, good. <laughs> That's also an important part. Uh, and players don't hate it. That's usually the research that you need. And, and um, there's, there's a lot of elements, but I've, I've actually, I've gone through this so many times over the years where you're trying to convince a game team to put in some ads yeah. in the game. Uh, and it's hard, especially the bigger the game, the harder it gets. Because the bigger the game, the more money they're making through the other channels. And they will say, I don't need this. I don't need this. I like this yeah. is going to make 5 to 10% of, of my revenue. Not even 5 to 10. It's going to be 2% to maybe 5%. I would spend the same amount of time on, on adding more content. And that will give me better ROI than, than this. Do you do you face yeah. those type of conversations? Yeah, the the ROI is pretty pretty great. So you know we're we're getting TV campaigns at TV TV CPMs, so cost per thousand, uh, and it equates to uh, in the U.S. around uh, four cents per completed video view, which is we see ninety seven percent of the players who start to watch a video complete it, so they really want to get the rewards, and you know that equates to you know, essentially a, a four cents uh, total value in the U.S. right now. And that I think that'll go up as we scale the network. And, you know, the average player will watch seven ads or more per per day. They're playing a couple hour game session. It tends to happen from the menu screen in the game. It's not happening during gameplay. You know, it's while they're setting up their team, while they're killing time. There's actually a lot of downtime in, in these games. And so uh, players actually will use that downtime to, to earn some free rewards the games are starting to do some really cool stuff with like ad tracks where, you know, after you bundle and watch a certain amount of ads, you get sort of a mega reward that can be super valuable. So they're gamifying the experience and making it really uh, compelling and, you know, kind of creating a surprise and delight mechanic for the player. So it becomes part of the gamification uh, experience for the player. But if you don't want to watch an ad, you, you just never see it. it. You know, it's there's there may be a, a mention in the menu screen of the game or something that's telling you you know, where, uh, where you can get your reward and what your reward might be. But, uh, but there's no, there's no reason you don't have to do it. So it's really only the players that want to do it. And what we've seen on like on Reddit and discord is, uh, the players have been overwhelmingly positive. In fact, you know, some early negative comments when the, uh, before a game typically is launched, but they put it in their developer notes, you'll get a couple players coming in saying, Oh, they're turning this game into a crappy mobile game. And what happens is the other players, compiling on top and go, wait a minute, I'm getting free stuff, man. Don't, you know, if you don't like it, go away. And, and then over time people start talking, you know, about the players start talking about what, what kind of rewards they are getting and, and, you know, how to, how to try and beat that system. And so it really becomes a really fun part of the overall experience, I think for players. And so I, I wouldn't be, I mean, I remember the first days of putting ads into the uh, mobile games at EA, but industry wide, it wasn't like developers embraced it. In, gen in general, it was like it was almost a necessary evil because games weren't monetizing as well as people wanted them to. And but now you look at the sophisticated mobile developers like Azinga, 
where they really have built a science around, you know, and others and uh, how they integrate the advertising in and make it part of the game, uh, you know, core loop and mechanic. And, and um, you know, from the, from the design phase of the game, we're not there yet on the AAA console free to play, but I, I wouldn't be sh- shocked if in a year or two, this, this moves pretty quickly, maybe not as quick as it moved in mobile, but it's going to move pretty quickly. Um, what kind of a, do you like, does player one offer any kind of segmentation tools when it comes to these ads? So, um, meaning do, does everybody see the ads in certain geo or, or how, how is that throttled or are they shown? Yeah. So we're we're, monetizing, et cetera. Yeah. So we definitely give the tools to the developer. We actually built a whole developer portal. They get to see the creative before it ever runs. They approve the creative. They have control over the creative. So to some extent, the developers really running the ad system themselves, and we're providing, you know, the, the inventory for them. We, we provide the technology, the API, and we manage it all from the cloud. But really, develop, the developer is in complete control of the location, the type of rewards, the frequency, which ads they want to approve, which ones they don't. We see developers now running a lot of house ads as well, promo. So, you know, if you're watching the Super Bowl, great example, about a third of the ads that CBS ran during the Super Bowl were promos for their upcoming shows that were about to hit, you know, hit the new season. We're finding the developers are really enjoying using this, this video palette that their players are uh, choosing to engage with to promote season passes, updates, other games in their, in their, in their um, development studios, things of that nature. So um, it's starting to look like a, uh, a more sophisticated uh, approach. And then ultimately, We'll have more micro segmentation as the network scales, and you know we are building the mediation layer and all that kind of stuff. But right now, it's you know it's pretty pretty much uh, player, uh, sorry, rather developer uh, control over the system. And how do you find these developers? Um, like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I'm so happy that uh, the the industry shows are back on because we launched Player One during COVID, and all the meetings were over. First of all, the outreach was like over LinkedIn and through, uh, you know, uh, contacts that I've built up over the years. Uh, but going back to Dice and then GDC and then um, Games Beat in LA, it's just been wonderful to, you know, to actually see people in person and be like, hey, do you guys want to check this out and just sit down for two seconds on an iPad and show them it? And they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that's what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, that's what I've been reaching out to you for, you know, for 12 months on. Like, oh, yeah, let's get a meeting. This is really cool. Let me bring it to my development team. And so, um you know, it's a trust. It's a trust model to start. I think over time this will be an industry norm. But um, there's also a lot of other stuff going on that that you know there's a lot of hype around this these in-game billboards and other things. So you know, getting you know, creating a little bit of distance and clarity from from that model has been super important for us too. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed.
visit exola.pro slash D-O-F or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. Okay, so so shows, ads, you know, the personal contacts. I mean, those are probably the well, most important. Deconstructor Fund, and can I do a, do a little, uh, I mean, being a sponsor of Deconstruct, Deconstructor Fund was uh, really, has been really positive for us. So um, oh, wow. we've gotten great, great, great leads. And I'll be happy to, you know, um, uh, tell you more about <laughs> it later. But we've gotten some great leads from your podcast. So you guys clearly have, uh, you know, industry leaders and people that are developing and designing games and game business models listening in. We've gotten a number of uh, good good partners through that. Awesome. That will be then the the business case. Actually, I, I, I did talk to one, um, you know, advising one of uh, AAA developer uh, on a certain project for, for a good amount of time. And we we're talking about, you know, going through business model discussion and so forth. And it was like, well, there is an opportunity to do ads. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we know all about player one. That's funny. It's like, yeah, we've heard it. Like, you don't need to, to give us the pitch. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, all right. I'm not... um, yeah, but, we actually have yeah, some it, of the more like the companies that do um, in, like system, I wouldn't call them system integrators, but there's a bunch of live service companies popping up that um, that have taken an interest in what we're doing. And so they're adding us into their essentially into their menu of options when mm -hmm. they're providing a live service analytics platform or development platform for for uh big developers they're actually you know building us into that as well so we, we've actually picked up like an extended um mm -hmm. sales force in this from the standpoint of everybody kind of sees it and goes the light bulb goes off oh well that that seems yeah. pretty great i mean <laughs> player control and you know more engagement more money and and uh, sure, we'd love to help you guys do this. We believe in it. So I, it's been really positive to see the you know the uptake from uh, you know people that are very deep into the game industry and understand where the economies are going. Yeah, I mean, this is a part of discussion when the game project goes into a phase where you're actually projecting revenue for the executive meeting, and you're seeing yeah. your, your payback returns. You'd be like, how? What are the other ways we can do that? We already added the battle passes, and we're already projecting this and that. And they're like, well. The uh, the return on investment improves slightly if we add ads. Okay, let's do that. What else we can do? So mm -hmm. it's kind of part of the arsenal, and that's that's good. It just makes it uh, just you just have more more opportunities to to monetize. Anyway, I wanted to ask like, what kind of a developers are you looking for? Are you looking for big ones like the Fortnites that will make the bank, or are you more looking for pretty much everybody so that you you can have as big of a uh, reach as possible? Or like, what's what's the uh, what's the approach? Yeah, our, our um, so far we started out with some some pretty you know we're in a, a number of top twenty five uh, free to play games on uh, you know Xbox, PlayStation, and PC, and we've got some longer tail games as well, and we've got some pretty big ones coming on board. So it's really a mix. We're building a network of games, and that will um, to your earlier point that will start to broaden the demographic a little bit as well. Um, I think you know they're. Uh, the initial games uh, coming on board tend to be battle royale and third-party shooters and things, but but over time, I expect to have a pretty large library of games. And then, you know, for for uh, brands, then you can start to segment the audience into, you know, targets that they want to reach. Um, but ultimately, uh, obviously, the biggest games drive the biggest brand awareness. So so advertisers, you know, at TV scale, they like to buy. Um, on an efficiency basis. So they spend millions of dollars a month or tens of millions of dollars a month through simul media. 
And so, you know, when they deploy money, they prefer to deploy it. Right now, we're really working with test budgets and early um, early partners, but ultimately to unlock the TV marketplace, you know, you really need to be able to deploy, um, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars a month for a brand, because that's how their ad agency models are built for efficiency. Got it. And uh, what does the inventory tend to look like at the moment? Like, is it is it global? Is it more for tier one countries? Um, how, do, how does it how does it look like? Yeah, so these games go live globally. Um, the uh, that we're really focused. We've got um, partners in in the key global markets: Latin America, Canada, Western Europe, uh, Korea, Japan, and then in the second tier, third tier countries. Um, you know, over time, we expect to be able to bring in more of like a, a, a programmatic model. But right now, that you know, we're really trying to be um, you know very uh, controlling over what qual- the quality of the ads and what type of advertising come in. And we don't think that the, like the programmatic marketplace is up to scale for that yet. So we're working with managed campaigns in those markets. And then we recommend that the developer give players in the second tier, third tier countries, the ability to earn rewards as well, but use primarily use, um, you know, cross promotional um, ads in those markets um, as those markets develop from an advertising standpoint, we'll add them on and, you know, but there may be some markets where just the juice isn't in, there's not enough juice in the squeeze. So it's not maybe worth uh, just not strong ad markets that might have a decent PC player base or something like that. And that probably, if you know, affects a little bit and what kind of a, what kind of partners, what kind of a games you're looking for, they have to be essentially um, have meaningful certain type of audience in certain type of countries correct like you wouldn't want a game yeah. that is massive in thailand correct and, and that's why like con, you know console uh, pc cross platforms great because the console markets in general tend to be yeah. you know the 13 or 15 countries and then uh, you know but but we are you know we are broadening we've got some pc only games as well and um uh i, th- I think over time it, it'll work you know in every every major market but but we're we're you know, we're sort of, we're pretty early in on this. So we're not creating expectations, you know, that we can monetize Thailand or, um, you know, pick, pick any, uh, you know, an Eastern European country where there's a lot of players, but not a lot of ad budgets in the market. Yeah. 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 That, that makes sense. Um, then what, what are the sort of like games that, that tend to work best with player one? Like, do you have specific genres um, based on the type of audience you're looking for, like 16 to 34, that yeah, definitely leans towards shooters and racing, uh, sports yeah, games. Yeah, racing that, shooters. Um, I, I think the audience will broaden. I mean, 16 to 34 could be 16 to 48. There's obviously huge audiences younger than that on Roblox and Minecraft. I think those are really super exciting platforms. Um, but but you know, there's not necessarily tremendous amount of TV dollars chasing that, you know, those younger audiences, and there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, COPA and compliance issues there. So I, we're not really focused on that uh, today, but, but I, you know, there, there's, there are massive audiences, you know, a, across all ages. And obviously when you get to mobile gaming, you really get the more casual, older female audience uh, in games like Candy Crusher, just ginormous. But, but right now the sweet spot tends to be, um, you know, in that, in that more action, uh, dynamic MOBA, battle royale, uh, sports area, racing—you name it—and um, and I think uh, you know that will 
there, there's so much opportunity there. Just such huge audiences. You look at you know games like Fortnite and Warzone and and PUBG and and Apex Legends. You go with you know like if you take any one of those games, their audience on a daily basis is bigger than any TV network in the U.S. for reaching that younger demographic. I mean, just like they dwarf 10x, 20x the size of what NBC is going to reach on any given day um, for that for that demo. That's why brands are so excited about this. And um, but but to our earlier uh, conversation, it doesn't make any sense if the players don't appreciate it. It's just yeah. you know just a recipe for disasters. You have to really get get the experience right first and make sure the players love it and are asking for it. And I see that, you know, kind of, uh, we see that right now. Like if you're a player in pick, pick France, maybe we have a game that hasn't gone, it's live in the U S but not live player one's live in the game in the U S but not in France and the players in France are complaining. I want to get player one. I want to get yeah. free stuff. And so um, I think players can start demanding this of their free to play games as an optionality choice. And, um, and when you do that, then it really makes it possible to broaden the, the, the classes of games as well. Yeah, that, uh, that's something that we've seen in mobile as well. Like, like players in tier two, tier three countries, if you don't have inventory there, tend to complain. As well as players who, who are not shown ads because they are deemed as you know, if they are monetizing and you don't want to show them ads because normally the ads that we show are from other games, then then they are also right. a bit pissed off or send. They actually send just customer tickets, uh, the the, the, uh, the tickets to the customer support of like, I'm not seeing ads anymore. What's happening? Like right. something, something went wrong and I'm not getting my free gems from, from, from the ads. Like, well, something happened. You paid 50 bucks. That's, that's what happened. <laughs> so, yeah. And you know. gee, I don't think developers want to see ads for other competitive games in their games in the, in this, you know, winner take all free to play space. So, I, so I, I think that's the importance of really having a brand, uh, marketer model, as opposed to, you know, uh, app install competitive game model, which for whatever reason has seemed to work in mobile, but is definitely not the, not the approach that we're, we think there's enough massive budgets worldwide mm -hmm. and brands desperate to reach the gaming audience that this, this has legs to it on its own without having to bring in a lot of uh, game advertising the way mo the mobile industry has had to do it. And in terms of like direct monetization, you mentioned four cents, uh, but, but in terms of like, uh, like let's say, ARP Mal, like what kind of a numbers uh, are developers looking at? You know, assuming that they yeah, have so we, a we tend to, very healthy tier one audience. Yeah, so we tend to look at ARP DAO. So um, we, we base everything on a DAU model. Um, and then wow. I, I don't know exactly how they end up, you know, w w weaving that back into their their models. But, but uh, you know, in the US, we can, on, on average, we'll have a player watching, as I mentioned, around seven ads per day of the play of the cohort that chooses to watch ads. So I should be clear, not 100% of the players choose to watch ads every day. It's, it's a decent, you know, double digit figure, but we see that's like a real opportunity. And the hardest part of the of, of the business is um, really becoming part of the live service uh, mentality at the games and having them weave it in, in into the um, you know, the valuable rewards and the gamification of it all. But when you do that, you know, in, in like, so I'll just use the U S as the proxy, um, seven ads times, you know, four cents, that's, that's, you know, sort of the ad ARP DAO gr gross. And then there's, um, you know, the, the majority of it goes to the game developers. So it can be pretty meaningful money on a daily basis against the cohort that's choosing to engage with ads. And then, then the, the hard work is around getting that 
percentage up to the majority of the players over time. And that's, you know, that's what we're aiming for. And we think that's, um, will help support game economies in a way that's really healthy. And, and, you know, even like we recommend developers show spenders and non-spenders the same opportunity. And that's what they're doing so far because it's actually led to deeper, you know, deeper spending and re-engaged spenders in the games. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, of course, it, it happens. I've been done monetization <laughs> quite a lot. So happens yeah. when they get a little drip and they get closer to a certain purchase that they want to yeah. make. And that, that drip comes from a premium currency. And then they tend up to to convert because they're closer to it. And um, yeah, just normal human behavior. So <laughs> tends, tends to be like that. Um is it difficult to, to, so you said you have an API at the moment and it will turn into an SDK at some point and yeah. it's easy to implement. You have like your internal team. I, I'm asking this because uh, back in the days and I'm kind of like pushing this back when I was integrating first time ads into, in, mm -hmm. into a mobile game. That was like 2012, 2013. And we had like, if, if an SDK caused an issue where the game was down for a while and these games made right. a lot of money, then that SDK right. was out. Forever. I yes. mean, they had to come, they had to fly from the US and, and bow and ask for forgiveness and promise eternal love in order to get the SDK back in, into the game. But, uh, but like, what's, what's, uh, how, how difficult it is to, uh, to integrate one of those that you have. So I, I know those, I know those uh, mobile SDK days very well myself. I had some, you know, <laughs> late night phone calls, um, particularly around bad ads. And you couldn't figure out what ad network they came from, yeah. which is the whole thing we're trying to avoid in, in this yeah. uh, very pristine model, which is only good ads coming yeah. through. And, and the under, games that I was putting them in had, had a big audience. So that was, yeah. of course, it depends right. on the game, but those were like tier one games. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Right. And you don't want bad ads and the whole, and, and the thing, uh, yes. Yeah, so hundred percent. So we, we built an API. We will have an SDK for, um, unity and unreal, but the developer is, you know, is coding it into their own, own game. The only, um, real challenge is if it, you know, sometimes there's proprietary engines that can be, you know, several year or many years old that don't have a video player. So then, you know, that's, uh, all modern game engines come with a video player. So it just works. Um, but if you don't have a video player, then there's, there is some work in, you know, encoding in a video player capability into the experience, but that's, that seems to be the biggest challenge. I would say the, the work has not been around integrating, uh, the API or, or going live with it. It's the, the work is much more around the UX UI. What does that play? How do you make it a great player experience? How do you make it part of the flow of the game? Not something that seems out of place or is jarring. And then how do you, uh, create the reward model that is conducive to driving, uh, you know, reducing churn, driving engagement and, and making people feel really good about donating 15 or 30 seconds of their time, because that's at the end of the day, the player's going to make a calculation like that 15 seconds was worth it or it wasn't worth it. And if it's not worth it, they're not going to come back and do it again. And so I'd say that's where, you know, getting that mix right is, is definitely the most, um, uh, where the most work is right now. And we, we've got a live yeah. service team. We've got a developer success team. We've got, you know, game engineers to help, you know, work through all the other stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's actually a good call. I remember like, again, back, back, back in the days, uh, the game lead on, uh, on Heyday, which was one of the, um, mm -hmm. the biggest farming games. Um, they had a very, it had a movie, had like a movie theater, right? Wasn't it yeah, like a the movie theater in Heyday? Yeah, exactly. So, so the, the, the interesting yeah. part is that the, uh, the game lead kind of put in a challenge for the designer, for the team. Of like, I know everybody hates ads, 
but what would right. the best in class like let's show everybody how do you do like how you do ads and let's make the coolest yeah. thing that is most most integrated and the way they they constructed it is two ways like back then banner ads was a thing as well uh so there was like right. this uh in-game uh auction place so they would put in ads yeah. also as a part of the in-game auction place like there would be potatoes and wheat and like suddenly an ad for a different game and then so forth like as you're scrolling through um through the newspaper and those were uh, right. custom interstitials. Uh, and the, I mean, they got insane amount of views just because it's something that you do in the game all the time. Uh, and the second mm -hmm. part was, yes, the movie ticket. And the way they did it also was, well, first of all, a movie, which makes sense. Uh, and right. and Because it's hard to show a, a video out otherwise. But secondly, yeah. was that the ticket was hidden somewhere on the, on the level. So you found the movie ticket. It's like, yes, right. I found the ticket. And yeah. now you get to watch an ad. Surprise. <laughs> so so right. it was it was done by the player. It was initiated by the player, but it was a positive feeling because you found the ticket. You found the ad. Right. And instead of it being pushed yeah. or even asked whether you want to watch it or not. So so that was right. uh, like a brilliant way to to do it. And yes, it monetized incredibly well back in the days. Uh so so that that was uh, that was pretty killer. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that in heyday. That was you guys were early and brilliant on it, and clearly people are gaming because they they like the challenge of gaming, the experience, and so you want the, you know, you don't want to create something in the game that just sort of is static and generic and the same thing over and over again. It gets boring. I mean, people want to have the same surprise and delight that they get from finishing a level or beating a boss, and they want to get the same experience in the reward mechanic too. Yeah, that was that's that's just a. I, I always remember that approach of, of kind of like challenging the team instead of uh, forcing them to do something that they don't want to. Just challenging them. Like, let's do something yeah. crazy. Let's have fun. Right. So that's uh that's that's the part. Um, yeah, I've asked a lot of questions. What haven't this is really fun? What, by what, the way, what, what, <laughs> what haven't I, uh, you know, asked about about ads in PC and console? I assume you're doing PC and console, right? PC and console, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even that question was, was asked now. Um, yeah. Did I, did I forget to ask something that I should be asking about, um, games about ads and, in, in, uh, in sort of triple. Yeah, I think, game? I think, I mean, I think the games are, uh, you, you should, that, not saying you should ask me anything, but I will suggest yeah. that I think games are obviously going clearly completely cross platform. And, you know, with this weekend, all I've yet to been, be able to successfully get on the, um, Fortnite on Xbox um, cloud service just kind of spins. But but the idea that you can play a game on any device really makes this compelling for brands. And um, and so, yeah, I think this will end up, uh, Player One will end up across platform on mobile devices, on uh, direct-to-TV sets, don't have a, a you know, a, a, a game um, console hooked up to them. I mean, ultimately, this is just a technique to get players more engaged and feel better about the game economy and get their get access to uh, content, not have to depend on whales for an, you know, complete success, which, you know, was part of the issue with, I think, mobile gaming. And ultimately um, we see player one, you know, brands giving us the, the, the rights to say, Hey, just help us run the most effective campaign across all these devices at once and, you know, um, start to manage it to success on the, you know, by platform 
through your, you know, your cloud-based and machine-learned AI system, which is what we built. But right now we're really focused on console and PC because that's, you know, the early learnings for brands is, you know, we're getting big screen budgets, so we've got to put it on a big screen. That's, well, there you have it, everybody who's listening. If you have a PC or console game is free to play, this is the way to add a, a nice little uh, buffer into your into your budgets to keep on developing stuff because you can start monetizing audience that is traditionally not paying and the best thing is you're not losing that audience because you're not showing ads of other games. You're showing brand ads and, and, the, and you know, player one can actually bring the brand ads because you're part of Simul Media. So, so that's a, that's a good, that's a good, um, good offering. Uh, excited to, to hear the, uh, the new games that will be coming out with, with your ad monetization system. Very excited to see how this evolves, whether it will be similar than the evolution of mobile gaming or will it be totally different and more like evolution of interactive ads in interactive media type of uh, type of experience. So, mm -hmm. so thank you, Dave, for, for joining and, and kind of like opening up the books on this sort of a new industry. Are, do you have any competitors? Like, are you the only player in, in the, uh, in the, in the sphere or there's more coming in? I'm, there's a ton of excitement around uh -huh. uh, the dynamic background billboard space right now. And there's, I think I'm counting like 15 companies that are all, you know, getting funded and chasing that. Um, I, I think the jury's out on, on exactly how much brands are going to enjoy that experience. So uh, I think that's where most of other companies' energies are focused right now, frankly. Yeah, that, that's BS. That's banner ads. Let's get out of here. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I've yeah. seen banner ads before. Like, it's a, it, it sounds fun. You get a lot of volume, but you don't get a lot of action. So that's uh, – I can tell that already. Yeah. I've, I've seen it over the last seven, eight years. No. The, the rewarded video is, is where it's at. It has to be a moment. Player chooses it. They watch a video. There's call to action or just uh, – you know, they, they can be a call to action because if that's actually interesting, if you're, if, if I, like I'm playing mainly a triple A, like well, I'm playing on, on iPad sometimes and on PC, yeah. but I would have my phone free when I, let's, let's say I play yeah. TFT on, on, on iPad. So if there's a call right. to action, I can actually do that call to action of a brand, you know, if it's a Correct. Nike or whatever, by just phoning it in, just opening up my phone and, 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 uh, and we are doing we're doing campaigns with QR codes right now, and the yeah. response rates have been really great. Yeah, exactly. Players will have their phone there, and they'll just scan the scan it and keep playing. Yes, yeah, because you have another screen right next to you. That's actually I, I didn't think about yeah. it, but yeah, you can. You, yeah, it's like it's like watching Netflix. You can do two things at the same yeah. time. We actually do our player surveys to get player satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So we were very we stay very close to the uh, how players feel about what we're doing and do they feel like the rewards are valuable enough? Mm -hmm. And we just pop a, a, a survey into the, um, into the player one container with a QR code and we'll get, you know, we'll get 2,500 respondents within wow. a couple of hours on a survey telling us exactly how they feel about the rewards. We actually do brand lift surveys for the advertisers as well. Yeah. And so, you know, we've seen like, um, uh, like a quick serve restaurant brand saw a 300% increase in, purchase intent. And we just all do that live. And the, well, people, you know, as they were playing the game, they answered the survey. Yeah. I heard of this one. I haven't heard of that one. I'll yeah. go to this one, not go to that one. And, and we, you know, it's really, it's very powerful medium.
interactive. I mean, people yeah. hands on a controller, right? Let me do anything in, in a, while I'm in the lobby. Like, I mean, we, while yeah, I'm exactly. waiting to be mad, like that, those are the games. Yeah. Like, of course I'll watch three videos yeah. if I, while I'm, you right. know, cause I'm on my phone when I'm in a lobby, when I'm waiting to be matched, when I'm waiting, especially on the, on the times when you're here in Finland, it's a different So we're time doing that too. We've, we've, yeah. we've got an ad track where you can watch four ads in a row. And you yeah. can choose and you can, you can say, I want to watch four ads in a row and I'm going to get four times the rewards and then jump in and play. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop the ad when, when I'm being matched. That's the only thing. Like then exactly. I want to go back and, I'll be, and you be know productive. what happens in our, with, with us, if an ad is running and the match is ready, we shut the ad down, but you still get the reward. Oh, wow. See, all right. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason not to do it. <laughs> So, yeah, so, exactly. Um, <laughs> well, thank you, Dave, for, for, uh, for really kind of giving an insight thank on, you. on vertical. Um, yeah. yeah. Happy that you got business Thanks. and hope you get more because I, I truly want to support this because it's a valuable way for developers to monetize. Uh, and monetization is important because it allows you to keep your operations running. It allows you to hire more people. It allows you to produce more content. So if you find ways that are not predatory, that people like to be monetized that way, there's nothing bad in ads. We watch ads all the time everywhere. So games is no different as long as they're well-designed and well-implemented. So that's it. So thank you so much, Dave. Thank, and you, thank Mishka. you, everybody, yep. for listening. Bye-bye, <laughs> everybody. Thank, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.